Welcome back to the CNB Sixers podcast, episode five, week five for us. Not sure what week it is in the NBA, but we're moving along nicely. Other than hockey, the only major sport left with the NFL ending last night with the Super Bowl. So we're just waiting for April 1st, MLB opening day for that. But now we get to focus on NBA basketball as much as possible, and the Sixers especially, who this week, Definitely had some ups, but they had a big down that that we're going to get into. Then we're going to talk about us hopping over to the West Coast next week. Three games over there, starting our first full extended trip over there. Not much NBA news this week. We're going to give you a little bit, just give our some opinions on some, some little notes here and there. Nothing huge this week. And then we're ending with a big six or six segment at the end, our favorite Sixers moments of all time as fans of the team, the moments that we will remember forever being Sixers fans. You will have to wait to the end to catch that. Trust me, you don't want to miss it, but there's going to be a lot of information in the middle, so you don't want to miss that as well. So this is episode five of the CMB Sixers podcast. Let's get it rolling. The Sixers end this week still I believe this is four weeks in a row now at the top of the Eastern Conference, sitting at 17 and 7, 8 and 2 in their last 10, looking like they got some distance on everybody but the Bucs. The Bucs are currently 1.5 games behind us, with then Brooklyn 3.5 and Boston four games behind, and Indiana sitting at fifth. With five games behind, I believe that's the same order as it was last week. Flip Brooklyn and Milwaukee in second and third. But the Sixers hold first. And we said this before the show, Brian. You know, we've had some really bad losses this season that it doesn't really 100% feel like we're in as much of, of first place as we actually are. Do you agree with that? Or do, or do you think do you think that it really feels like we're in first place? At time, I feel like at times it doesn't, but I, I feel I think we're seeing this all over the NBA. Teams losing games, maybe going on like stretches where they don't look too good, and it, it's just not making a lot of sense. I know the Bucks have gone through that during this year. Same with the Nets at times. It's just I don't know. Re, maybe getting used to lineup changes or. COVID affecting things, but it seems like we're we're uneven at times. Yeah, and like you said, I think that's how every team is, but the Sixers are holding strong fourth week in a row at the first spot. Hopefully we can say that in the next episode next week. But let's recap this week. Starting it off, we held on against the Hornets in the first game of the week, winning this game 118 to 111. Our third game against Charlotte this season, our third win, and that is our also our 14th straight win against the Charlotte Hornets and the New Orleans Hornets, then I believe it goes that far back. 
with and that being the longest active streak in the NBA of a team beating another team that many times in a row. So that's a huge accomplishment for the Sixers, being able to take care of a team that many times in a row, knowing what they're capable of. But this game did almost slip out of our hands. Uh, we were up 26 going into the third quarter. Charlotte got very hot and brought the game back to seven. Uh, but but the Sixers did end up holding on and finishing the game. Now, this was a road game, so obviously the the slip up in the third quarter is something that we that we usually see from the Sixers. And, I, and I'm, I'm, me and Brian are both not surprised by that in any means, but obviously glad that we held on. Uh, Embiid with another MVP performance, 34 points, 11 rebounds. And Tobias Harris, again, adding to his all-star resume this season with a 26-point outing. And Ben did his thing, 15 points, 9 assists. So our three main guys did everything we needed them to do. But a main concern that we saw at the beginning of the week, and it got better as the week went on, which we'll recap in the, in the later games this week, but Seth Curry, zero points, 0 for 3 in this game. This was the first night he would go scoreless in, in about uh, seven straight quarters, I believe it was. So do you think this is – Obviously, I know Dell said that he's still not fully recovered from from COVID. So, so my first question is: Do you think that that is the main reason why he's struggling, or or is it just you know rust needing to get back in the, in the swing of things with the offense? And then my second question is: If we're seeing this, hearing that he's not fully recovered from from the the, the damages that of when he had COVID, you know, should he be should he be playing right now, especially with the numbers that that he's putting up for us? in the starting spot playing 30 minutes a game. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both with recovering. Obviously, COVID kept him out for a while, missing games, missing practices. And, I mean, that that couldn't have been good for staying in just good game shape, making sure you're shooting well, staying in good form. And – I think we we see that throughout throughout these games he's played, and then also I'm not really sure what we really can do with playing him. I think maybe we could maybe bring him off the bench last minute, give him some less minutes, or try to try to figure something out so that he can ease his way back into this and not having to go out there 30 minutes a game, you know, starting trying, you know, being one, our top shooter on the team. So we'll, we'll have to see how Doc plays that, but it'll definitely be something we should watch coming up, coming through the yeah. season. I mean, I definitely thought at the beginning he would definitely be eased back into the lineup, especially being with the circumstances that it was. And, and he wasn't really, I mean, he came right in, I believe. Did he come back during the – was the Lakers game the first game he was back, or was it the Pistons game before that? I think it was the Lakers game. Uh, I think it was the Lakers. Yeah. So he came back in the biggest game of the regular season so far and and has been playing 30-plus minutes every game up until this the end of this week where we didn't see him in the second half versus Portland. But I definitely think, you know, he definitely should have been eased back into the lineup like I said, seeing the circumstances, I mean, in this game, I mean, it was just like he was only over three with no, no rebounds, no points, no steals. 
He had one block and three assists in this game and four personal fouls. I think his body just wasn't in, in enough shape to be able to, to be playing 30, 29 minutes in this game in any game that we've seen him so far as he's come back. He, I mean, I think we can definitely see, you know, I think we definitely should have saw Shake starting there at the two, playing 29 minutes, then then get Seth back in there with, with 15 minutes, you know, 12 to 15 minutes in these next couple of games, get him back into the swing of things, but he's definitely, he's definitely needs to, we definitely need to get him back on track for, to keep the Sixers success up. Uh, but again, it didn't really matter. The, the, we pulled out the win. So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And these, the Sixers improved to six and five on the road after this. So six and five is a lot better than what we started this season off as on the road and what we were coming off of last season. So are we, do you think we are improving on the road or, or are we just having a good stretch of games here where we're, we're getting some lucky opponents and, and the games are going our way? I think it's, I mean, I want to say we've turned a corner with playing on the road and our struggles with that, but you know, I really don't know. I mean, a lot of our road wins are not against great teams. No real like big big playoff contenders, nothing like that. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, either way, I mean, we're gonna take the win. You know, no matter who it's against, six and five is it's nothing to hang your hat about, especially with what we saw last season. Uh, Lamelo Ball got his second start in this game, and and Gordon Hayward, both of them dropped twenty two points, uh, and the the end of the game. Uh, up six, six or seven, uh, and Embiid's dribbling the clock out to end the game. Lamelo steals the ball, goes down to shoot the three. I believe that made it the because what was the final score? Yeah, so that made it a that made it a three point game, or no, that made it a four point. No, that made it a four point game, and then yeah, I think it's four. And so I'm just. Do you think that was unsportsmanlike by Lamelo, or is that just? just playing hard and, and trying to win the game cut when the clock, you know, the game doesn't end and the clock hits zero. I mean, I, I respect the, the hustle and the playing hard he wants to do. And I don't really look at it as unsportsmanlike, but it's a little bit like in the NFL when you're taking a knee and some guy dives over the pile and try to force a fumble or something like that one. Like, yeah, technically the game isn't truly over, but, I mean, this is about as close as it's going to get to it. I mean, that was a three-possession game. Nothing's really going to change, make or miss. I I was not upset about it. I saw some Sixers fans on Twitter acting like it was the end of the world that Lamella was. Well, yeah, people was reacting to it. Yeah, the, the worst person they've ever seen. I mean, it's not like, you know, it, the game was semi, you know, close, like, Obviously, Embiid's gonna, you know, he's not gonna go score there with with no shot clock and and a three possession lead. He's gonna try to dribble the clock out. Well, yeah. It is, you know, should you know, I don't, I don't disagree with it. I think, you know, obviously the game doesn't end till the clock hits zero. You, you know, I mean, we saw McGrady score what uh, eleven points in or however many seconds it was. How many points it was? Thirty three. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen at the snap of a finger. So, 
but I think, you know, obviously with it being a close game, you know, I think, you know, we saw the last, I think it was last uh, college basketball season, Kansas versus Monmouth, and that guy stole the ball and dunked it when they were down by like 55 or something. That's where it's a little like, okay, like it's not really necessary. It's just, you know, it's just too, it's too extra. But, but I think, you know, this was, I mean, if the Sixers turn the ball over there on the inbound, then, and they get another three, that's a game. So you never know what could happen. So people are overreacting about that. I think it was a little, little overzealous, but we got the win. That's all that matters. Then we headed back to Philadelphia to face Portland. Oh boy. Definitely mentally the worst loss of the season not counting the Denver loss where we only had seven players. We take the loss to Portland 121 to 105. And the reason this game was so mentally draining was uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Joseph Nurkic, Zach Collins, and Derek Jones Jr. were all inactive for this game. That, uh, I don't have it calculated. I can count it up. One, two, three, four. Nine active players. Four of the Trailblazers. One, uh, Blevins only played four minutes. So uh, eight people really on the court playing in this game. Such a heartbreaking loss for the Sixers, not being able to capitalize for the second time this season against a team who is playing without most of their of their star players the first time being the first loss to the Brooklyn Nets that we took a couple weeks ago. And I mean, it's still props to the trailblazers. Gary Trent stepped up with 24. Mello went back to his Nick days with 22. CJ Ellaby with 15 off the bench. Don't know who that guy is, but he scored 15 on us. So I got to give, put my hat down to him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Sixers just it didn't execute in this game. It got outscored 40 to 19 in the third quarter, and, and that's not going to win your game. Uh, we talked about it in the Hornets game. Seth Curry, uh, no points in this game either. He did not play in the second half. Uh, he was he did not return to the game after halftime. Uh, we didn't have Ben Simmons in this game, but obviously seeing the people that Portland had out, that's obviously no excuse for a loss. And Furkan Korkmaz, with 13 points in the starting lineup in 38 minutes. I'll just ask you straight up, Brian. I know Ben Simmons is out, but why in the world we, why is Furkan Korkmaz playing 38 minutes? The most minute he played more minutes than Embiid in this game. Why is that happening? I, I have no idea. This is, I think by far the worst loss. I, I'd take this over Detroit or the Brooklyn loss just because Portland had absolutely nobody. It was home court, and it wasn't even a close game. And the only reason it's close in the first half was because Embiid absolutely carried the team and dropped 25 in the first half. That was the only reason. And then we just got absolutely killed in the third quarter, and that practically ended it. And yeah. yeah, I think that's inexcusable to play him 38 minutes. He doesn't have that kind of defense. I mean, he's a good shooter off the bench, but he doesn't have that kind of defense or really should be playing that much. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's not like he was like putting up crazy numbers in these well, yeah. I mean, he shot five for 14, one for seven from the three-point line with 13 points. And, and uh, I mean, there's just no, there's no excuse for him to be playing 38 minutes when, when you have guys on the bench, you know, like, I mean, Isaiah Joe went two for three in eight minutes. You know, give, give Isaiah Joe 10 of those minutes. Split that up a little more. I mean, you can't. I mean, Maxi had 21, Bible with 26, Milton with 24 minutes. I mean, the rotation in this game was definitely was definitely part of the loss. But again, there's nothing you can. I mean, whoever's on the court's got to got to perform regardless. And and they oh, did. Yeah. The Sixer shot 39 for 81 in this game. That's inexcusable. You're never. I don't care who's on the court. You're not going to win a game shooting that badly. I mean, Embiid, like you said, still another MVP performance from him. 37 points, only five rebounds, though, which was concerning. I really wish I would have saw more out of him. Uh, and then Tobias Harris with only 12 on 5 of 14 shooting as well. So just, I mean, offense wasn't there. Defense was getting picked apart. There's no excuse. It's another loss when we don't have one of our best guys, but they didn't have six of their best guys. So, yeah, obviously, no excuse for the Sixers taking their second loss at Wells Fargo Center this season. And, yeah, this I mean, I would say my mindset always at this early in the season is no loss should be dread. It's very early. Anything can change. But this is a loss that just that just inside hurts. This is just a loss that cannot happen. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it hurts, even though it's only in the twenties in games, we got 50 left. We're not even halfway through the season. This is a loss that we are going to look back on the entire season. And, and it's gotta be, it's just gotta be one that's, that's, that's taken by us because I mean, you go down to the end of the season and, you know, we miss out on the third seed or, or a seeding here or there because we, because of, of a, uh, we're half a game back behind somebody or something, you're going to look back at this loss and be like, wow, that is, that is a loss that, that we definitely should have taken care of. So then we traveled – or we didn't travel. We stayed in Wells Fargo. Yeah, it's a, home, it's a home game. And bounced back against Brooklyn, 124-108. to 108. The Sixers, finally, third time's the charm beat a team without their stars. Katie and Kyrie out in this game. The Katie situation, especially, we're going to touch on. Kevin Durant out for COVID protocol, the, about the worst COVID protocol I've ever seen in my life. The game before they played the Sixers, remind me, was it Boston? Or oh, for, Brook for Brooklyn? Yeah. Who did they play in the game Kevin Durant got, got uh, yanked from? Oh. Uh, Oh no! Yeah, I don't. I I mean, I watched the replay of it happen because he didn't start the game, and then yeah. he got subbed in like the late first quarter. Or and maybe sub back out. It's the Raptors. They played the Raptors the night before. Kevin okay. Durant was 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 in contact tracing. He was cleared to play before the game. Starts playing the game against the Raptors. Is yanked in the second quarter because he is. Uh, going into contact tracing, 
But everybody else on the Nets is good. Everybody on the Raptors is good. This this is where the NBA protocols they need to do better. This is this is awful. It helped the Sixers. He didn't play against us, so I'm not I'm not 100 complaining. But but this is this is ridiculous. I mean, it's I think you can agree, Brian. That, I mean, if he can't play, then everybody that he was just on the court with and against should be in the same situation. You would assume. Well, yeah, we we talked about this earlier, like the NBA rules. You can go play against a team, you know, sweaty, you know, playing defense up close to each other, getting rebounds, fighting for, for position an entire game. But then after the game, you can't have a handshake or swap yeah. jerseys or anything like that. Like, it, I mean, this is it's it's a double standard. It's it's really. I just it needs to be reworked. I don't it doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, I mean, this was one where, you know, like I'm all for the contact tracing, the, per, the COVID protocols, you know, making sure we're doing as much as we can to prevent outbreaks. But either either Kevin Durant should have been pulled and then the game should have just stopped, because if it's that serious where he needs to be pulled, then then everybody else is exposed. So if Kevin Durant has it, yeah. 90, 99% chance everybody else on the court is going to have it as well. For the details you just said, you're sweating, you're rebounding, you're guarding each other, all that. Or makes no you should have just said, well, he's been there for almost a whole half anyway. He might as well just finish it out because if it's out there, it's out there. So there's nothing really we can do about it at this point. And then we can contact Trace and test after the game. Yeah, what was he – why was he cleared and then not cleared in the span of, I, like, what I was it, an hour, hour and a half? I think it was, like, like they were going to contact trace him, but then I think they just felt like it wasn't necessary. And then looking back on it, they, they I guess, took it back and then said, no, we're going to contact trace him. Or uh, if it was a situation off court where there was a group that needed to be contact traced and he was not fully – fully uh committed to being needed to contact to be contact traced yet and then so he I, I don't even know the full details but it's just it's a shame and then they want to have an all-star game like how are you gonna have an all-star yeah, game with problems like this I mean LeBron said it best I mean it's just it's a, it's a slap in the face when you're making all of this all these rules and then you want to completely throw them out the window for a weekend for an all-star game Basically, I'm assuming based on views and, and ratings and revenue, because that would be the only reason I could see it it happening with what they're doing with the COVID rules here and stuff. So it helped the Sixers out, like I said. So um, uh, and Kyrie was out with with uh, some sort of injury, I believe. But but we took advantage. Uh, Sixers dropped 43 in the third quarter to to lead us over. The Brooklyn Nets, Embiid finished with 33, Harris finished with 21 and 12 rebounds, Ben with uh, 16 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, and three steals. And I think this game for Ben was really was really a show out game, especially going against the guy he was almost traded for and and was offered to be traded for in in James Harden. Do you think that that put a chip on his shoulder going into this game, knowing that? that I can really prove how, how, you know, how that trade probably wouldn't have been the best idea. You know, obviously he's going to want to prove that, that he belongs. Yeah, for he sure. Wanted. I think that he wanted to prove that. I mean, 
he also wants to prove to people that he he is an all-star player. I mean, people look at his underlying numbers this year and point out how they do look they are worse than his rookie year. It's practically same averages for rebounds and uh, assists and he got worse shooting and scoring. So and this is a f- couple years ago so, and people who went really on him about that I know and I know well, he wants to prove them wrong. Are, the uneducated people are on Ben Simmons because yeah. they look at the box score and see you're going to call this guy an all-star. He only had 13 points. Obviously, you didn't watch the game and watch how important he is on in every aspect of the game and, and why and the main reason why why Embiid always has 30 plus a night or or all of our guards get get as many looks as they do because he because he makes plays. So I am not arguing for him to be an all-star. I don't think he's having that good of a season. And you know, we know all-star always goes off statistics and, and popularity. So yeah. I don't think he'll squeak in there this year, but obviously still probably. I mean, not probably, definitely is a very important part of this team. Uh, Seth got back on the board with 11. Danny Green with 11 as well. Obviously, we've been talking about it for weeks. Still hoping to see more out of those two. Just need better shooting, need better defense from both of them. But Seth's got an excuse. Danny Green doesn't. Uh, and we only saw Tyrese Maxey three minutes in this game uh, and then five minutes against the Hornets. He played more in the Trailblazers game. He played 21 minutes, but... I thought we were seeing good sparks of energy and, and and some good stuff on the court out of him. Why do you think his minutes have been cut down here recently? I, I really can't tell you. I mean, he looks good, but when he comes off the bench, he provides a really good, you know, scoring burst and energy off the bench. And I I don't I don't really know why. I mean, I think we've talked about it earlier i mean rotations have been maybe a little questionable lately and this could be this might be an example of that yeah i mean there are people that are saying when ben's out start him no don't do that he's better off the bench obviously he's young he's not lamella ball he's obviously not at that skill set or that style of play that's going to be able to allow him to excel starting is Furkan the answer starting there no yeah. But I think no. I think Maxi's not the right answer either. But I definitely think you know more than than three. I mean, three minutes in this game is absurd. There's there's no especially when you know you got uh, guys like Thibault playing twenty two, Furkan playing twenty three. You know, even Danny Green playing twenty six. I think you know if you want the if you want the young fellow to develop. I mean, him sitting on the bench and then playing three minutes a game is not going to help whatsoever. So hopefully we see Doc fix the rotation there, get Maxi in there more on the three-game road trip that we're about to start. Actually, it might be longer than three games, but this week, three games over on the West Coast, Tuesday night at Sacramento, facing De'Aaron Fox and the Kings. Then we get our, our rematch against Portland in in, in Portland against the Trailblazers on Thursday. Then we finish off with a very much improved Brooklyn, or not Brooklyn, Phoenix Suns team on Saturday. So, Brian, you went three for three last week. Perfect record, perfect teams we beat, teams we lost to. Can you repeat that this week? What are you going with? 
Probably not, but let's give it a shot. Against Sacramento, I'm going to have to say we win that game. They're, they're a good team, not a great team, and as long as we're at full strength, I think we can win that game. Trailblazers, have they announced who will be back for that game? Uh, I have not heard anything. Uh, I'm assuming Lillard will be back because I know his injury was not too serious. I believe McCollum is still out with the foot for a while. And then I have not heard anything about anybody else. But uh, Lillard, obviously, there is the big one that we need to, that we need yeah. to worry about. I think I'm going to say we, we come back and we beat them against the Blazers. You know, get a little bit of revenge. Get a, get a a needed road win. Those are always those are always great morale boosters and confidence boosters in an NBA season. And then Saturday against the Suns, I think we're gonna take a loss. There's just there's just no way we go perfect on this uh, road this week on with all three on the road. I'd love to see it, and if it happens, I, I will be over the moon. But. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen, and I think they lose to the Suns. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I think obviously three straight games on the road on the West Coast. I mean, odds are you drop one of them. I think. I think the one we're going to drop is, is Sacramento. I think. I think the. I think Ben. Obviously, assuming Ben's going to play, is going to be either on De'Aaron Fox or Buddy Hield. And I think the opposite one of those two is, is going to put up numbers. And and I'm hoping that, that the Sixers can overcome that. But but we've seen in the past with teams with two superstars, when Ben's on one, the other one usually gets gets a lot of touches and gets a lot of points on the board. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a loss in Sacramento, but I completely agree on Portland. I feel like they're gonna come back, whether Lillard, uh, Carmelo, Brandon Roy, whoever plays. They're going to they're going to take over. They're going to realize that they messed up, and and they're going to be hungry for that one, especially going going over to Portland and, and trying to then take one in their arena. But I think we I think we take the Suns. I think I think Ben is going to give Devin Booker a lot of trouble, and we're not seeing a great season out of Devin Booker with him with the with the shoulder injury. We're not seeing the greatest out of him, and obviously DeAndre Ayton is a good player, but if Embiid plays, there's there's no reason that DeAndre Ayton against Joel Embiid. So unless Chris Paul comes out and, and throws a Clippers jersey on and drops 40, I, I think I think we take that one against the Suns. So me and Brian are both going two and one on the week. I'm saying loss in Sacramento, winning the last two. And then Brian's taking a loss at the end of the week against Phoenix, winning the first two. So as always, you'll have to check back next week for episode six to see if Brian can go perfect two weeks in a row and if I can redeem myself and try to go perfect this week. No extra Sixers news this week. Again, it was a pretty quiet week for the NBA. Just a little couple trade uh, news or, and rumors here. Uh, Oladipo uh, was, talk, was being talked about being shipped out of Houston uh, by the trade deadline, not anytime soon, but, but by the deadline. Uh, and I think personally, Philly should definitely make an attempt at this. I think uh, Ben Simmons and Victor Oladipo in that backcourt is is other than the, other than the Clippers and Kawhi and and Paul George. I think that's the best uh, 
defensive duo in the league. I think that is that is going to be very tough to stop. I mean, Danny Green, Matisse, and and a pick for Oladipo. Would you do that, Brian? Um, I I'm not sure. I'm a little I'm a little on the fence with it because he's an expiring contract. He's going to want a max contract in the offseason or near max contract. And I don't know, send, sending like, I mean, Danny Green, that's also an expi- He's also on an expiring deal, I'm pretty sure. Well, so, Danny Green, I'll pack his bags for him. I will I will pack his clothes for him and send him over there myself. Yeah, I'm going to get close to that. But, I mean, I don't know if I completely agree with trading, like trading someone like Bible or um, – any sort of picks for, I mean, a rental at best. I mean, okay, what happened? A rental because obviously, with Tobias's contract and beat and yeah. and Ben, you're not going to be able to pay Oladipo what he's going to want next season. So it'll be a kind of win this season kind of thing. But I think, you know, I mean, if if Houston's shipping him that easy, I mean, he just got there. So if they're really throwing him out that easy, I don't think the value is going to be that as high as. As, as it would have been if it would have been him just coming out of Indiana. So, I mean, I think the Sixers, it's something they should look into, obviously. Like every trade, like we talked about with, with every trade we've talked about on this podcast, you got to look at the value on the other side and what you're getting out of it and the, the longevity, of course. If they're, you know, if Oladipo's looking to, you know, he's realizing that he's not maybe worth the, the max contract that he's going to want, you know, maybe he'll take less money in Philadelphia and, and build a build a dynasty here. We'll have to we'll have to see what happens with that. And again, it was just straight rumors. He might stay in Houston by the deadline. We'll have to see how that works. I think the other uh, thing we'll have to see is um, would Houston be willing to trade with Philly? Yeah, that's because true. I read there were different things like that around James Harden that Philly was never truly a contender with that. And that they're kind of just being led on because the Rockets are still less than pleased about how uh, Maury just kind of left, like kind of said he's going to step down, retire, and then took the Philly job not not too long after. Not to not to get too off subject, but Daryl Morey is is a character. Did you see his tweet where he was like about the Blazers game where he was like, "We we won this game by a landslide." Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. It's that, that was pretty good. He is he is a character. He is somebody that that obviously everybody wants in their organization. Uh, going on to the the other little trade that happened this week, uh, Derek Rose gets shipped out of Detroit, traded back to the New York Knicks, New York Knicks where he was before, for Dennis Smith Jr. and I believe was it a second round pick. It was something or task considerations, maybe. Uh, obviously, this was workings of Tom Thibodeau wanting to reunite with Derrick Rose, this time it being in New York, not Chicago. Um, I mean, Brian, does this, does this even, is this even news? I mean, is it, is it, is it really going to help both teams either way? I mean, the Pistons are a team that just need to blow it up for sure. I, I don't, I'm not sure what they're trying to do. I mean, sign, signing guys like uh, Jeremy Grant, not signing someone like Christian, not re-signing Christian Wood, you know, a really young a young contributor like that. 
I think they just need to blow it up. They're stuck in the middle. They have been for, it feels like, forever. Either they're going to be, like, the eighth seed or the very end of the lottery. I mean, this is kind of a start. They get a, a young – yeah, I think yeah, Smith Jr. is still pretty young, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he was the – Brock would know this off the top of his head. It's like the 20, 2017 maybe. I know he's very yeah. young. Yeah, he's still like t- probably 21. Yeah, he's a good, you know, a good young young guy that could maybe turn into something. The Knicks sure haven't, you know. That's looking like a great trade for Kristaps Porzingis. And uh, Derek Rose, obviously, you know, I'd love – I want to see him succeed, but I, I'm not sure it's going to be with the Knicks. And, like, I want to see him win the title. Not going to be with the Knicks this year, unfortunately. I think oh, I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> That's a bold take, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I think some Knicks fans are acting like this reunion re the reunion with Tom Thibodeau is going to turn him back into 2012 Derrick Rose and and turn him back into MVP Rose. And that's that, that's just not going to happen. It, I mean, Derrick Rose, I mean, I think he still has something left in the tank that if he can stay healthy, he can somewhat contribute, probably more than Alfred Payton is. But I think over there in New York, you're looking at how Emmanuel Quickly's playing. I don't think you can. I don't think you can justify just throwing Derrick Rose in in that rotation. And yeah, if, it's if quickly loses minutes over over Derrick Rose, that just shows who's that just shows Tom Thibodeau absolutely has a hundred percent control of this team, and and is is going Phil Jackson on it. Is not letting anybody else make decisions, and is is doing what he feels is is best for him and the team. So I, I mean, I really don't think this is going to be a anything blockbuster for both teams. I like Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know why he wasn't really getting a chance in well, I think I think we continue to see that with the uh, Knicks. Uh, poor poor asset management, poor player management. Oh, yeah. They have guys, they have Smith Jr. They drafted Frank Nielakina. Not sure why they did that. Uh, Kevin Knox, I, I, I'd love to see him play. He was a great one and done at Kentucky. They don't even play him. Nope. You got, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're we, doing. We've talked about him. They got Nerland Snowell there on the bench. He, yep. ain't the, he didn't work with Philly, but he ain't the worst player in the world. Now, obviously, you got Mitchell Robinson there at center. He's obviously going to play over him, but I mean, there's no reason he can't find more of a role there at the backup center. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's a broken organization that's that's been broken for a long time, and it doesn't look like it's. It, I mean, it looks like Mount Rose Avenue. It's not going to get fixed anytime soon. People from the seven one seven know what I'm talking about, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't seem like it's going to get fixed anytime soon. So, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, I, with being in the Atlantic Division, I hope they don't get fixed anytime soon. It's a free four wins every year. I'm not upset about it. Uh, yeah, they'll play us tough like one game and give us a scare, and then that's about it. Yeah, and that almost happened the first time we played him this year. But yeah, uh, and then the only other little news was not even the news, but LeBron still playing at an MVP level at age thirty-six. But we're not worried about that. We're worried about Daddy Carlos and his wife and the heckling incident happening over in Atlanta a couple of days ago. I mean, Brian, what was what was your opinion on this when you saw it? I mean, obviously, I wasn't watching Lakers Hawks live. 
I saw it on on Instagram afterwards. But okay, hearing hearing what happened. So apparently, what what this lady is is claiming is that LeBron was heckling, not heckling. LeBron won't heckle the fans, but is talking to her husband in a way that she is not very fond of, and she starts flipping out. So first, do you believe that LeBron started this? Obviously not, right? No, I, I, what I mean, this happens LeBron probably every day. Obviously not in COVID land, but probably would happen about every day. Someone would heckle him about something. It's been that way since he's in high school as a future, you know, top pick and everything that he got all the hype about that. But I mean, I, what what does LeBron gain from starting something as yeah. dumb as this? <laughs> Wait. And looking into it, this guy has apparently been following LeBron around since since the first stint in Cleveland. He's he's been heckling him for a long time. So I mean, this guy got I guess he got what he was looking for. His his wife was was obviously uh, drinking too many eleven dollar beers or something. But I mean, you, when you zoom in on it and you like you like analyze it, the only thing you can see LeBron say and look at it. He, and like the only thing you can tell he says is old steroid ass. That's the only thing that you can that you can make out of what LeBron says, which I think is just hilarious. That that Le- I mean LeBron is, I mean obviously if anybody's on the court, that's the guy who's going to be heckled, and it's it's just it, it is great to see fan interaction back in the arena, like LeBron said. I mean this is stuff that we've missed for a while, I and mean, we got to see it the other night with a fan streaking on the, in the Super Bowl. It's the stuff like that that you miss, and that. That is that we're glad is slowly coming back, but as I mean, as you can see, if we're talking about that, very low news for the week in the NBA. But for the segment you've all been waiting for, the Sixers six, the moments that made us very happy as Sixers fans, our favorite moments of all time, the ones that we will never forget. Brian, I'll let you start it off. What is your first? Sixers moment that that will be cement memory forever. We're gonna have to start with a a real throwback. This was like early elementary school days of being a Sixers fan, and you know that that team, you know seventh eighth seed every year. We got the Heat in 2011, and we nearly got swept. And then Lou Will hit the game winner in Game Four, forced the Game Five. Yep. Such a clutch shot. It was, and that was that was before Wells Fargo Center. That was Wachovia Center at that point, and that arena was packed that night. Obviously, D Wade and the in the prime heat going against this Sixers team in in the playoffs. Yeah. Obviously, going to get get a lot of fans through there, and I mean, I mean, it looked like a clean sweep, and Lou Will over D Wade, top of the key. I remember that shot. It was, it was, it was amazing. Wachovia went went insane after that shot. Lost the next game, but I mean, it was it was playing on to that one game. It was yeah. I mean, we're gonna talk about that for till we win a ring. But uh, yeah. I'll I'll go I'll go to the next season, beating the Bulls in 2012 as the eighth seed. Yep to be the first ever eight seed to beat a one seed in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And it was just, I mean, it was surreal. I mean, that team, 
you know, they were on their last legs together. Adal was going to go on his own way. Drew Holiday ended up going on his way soon after that. All the and then the, all the draft stuff started. That if you want to hear about that, you got to listen to the older episodes. We can't get into that into that today. We talked about Nerlens Noel and too much on the show to for my mental capacity. But other than D Rose getting hurt in that series, it was mesmerizing to watch. Just the way we the way we almost I wouldn't say manhandled, but we didn't really look like an eighth seed in that series. Especially, you know, I mean, you know, we weren't the most stacked team in the world. I mean, Dad, we, Dad Young was, was producing pretty well. Dallin Bear was playing well. So, I mean, that was just an exciting series to watch as a very early Sixers fan. Something that – a series that I'll always remember. Uh, and then what, what was your second one, Brian? Um, for me, it had to have been Joel Embiid scoring his first basket against the Oklahoma City Thunder. When he debuted, that was his debut, you know, two two long years of waiting since we drafted this guy, really never seeing him in a game. And then he hits that he hits that bucket against OKC right at the free throw line. A little, a little jumper and it's I mean, it's iconic. Yeah, I mean nothing you can Nothing you can say about that. I mean, that long, long awaited to get him was just with I mean, it was it was so surreal seeing getting to see him play on the court for the first time. I don't know if you've ever seen the video. Have you ever seen that video of at the at a, a Orlando Magic game? They play the they play the video on the Jumbotron of Embiid getting drafted third. And and the arena goes at this was before Embiid. Got, actually got on the court. He was still injured at this point. They play the video of him getting drafted third, and the arena just goes nuts. Like, the arena is, like, ecstatic that they didn't draft Embiid. Then taking Aaron Gordon fourth after that, and now we've obviously seen how that turned out. But that video is just hilarious to look back to on this day. I think I said, I, I don't know why, but I ha- I came across that video recently. Like, I'd never seen it, never heard of it. But recently, I did see that. And I I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> Being a Sixers fan to this day, just having – now he's the MVP and they have a dunk contest champion. Or a runner-up. No, he didn't win that, did he? No, nope, never won. He, he probably nope. should have won, but he didn't. Well – I guess I guess MVP or dunk contest runner up. He's gonna be an all star though on 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 just when he he gets a team. Isn't that what they keep saying? I mean, it's it'll be, it'll be an all star one day. The the heat down there gets to their head. They're always saying something. Yes, yeah. yeah, something matter. like that. Uh, I will go. I'm gonna throw it back for both of mine. Of just I obviously didn't get to see live. I was very very young when these both happened, but. Allen Iverson, the step over of Tyron Lue in the finals against the Lakers. I think that's the most iconic Sixers moment, I mean, of all time. I mean, that that's, again, like we talked about, you know, just iconic. That's something that you see people do at the park all the time, just stepping over people after they fall on the ground and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, Iverson cement, cemented that, and it was just, I mean, it was so iconic. Lost the finals to the Lakers. Iverson never got his ring, but he got his moment of fame in the corner, which was, which was pretty nice. It was, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it's just one that's going to be cemented forever. 
Um, for me, it's got to be just the drafting of Ben Simmons. I remember him at LSU, how much hype he had, how much of a big deal he was. They were an awful, pretty bad team. Like, there's nothing special about them that year. And they were always on TV. He was always playing. And I, I just remember it was such a big deal. And then we go 10 and 72 that year, which – uh, you know, you never thought it was possible in basketball. Win the win, win the lottery, and then you know, we follow through, and then we we draft him after you know all this hype for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I talked about it. My favorite Sixer. I mean, drafting him was was ecstatic. I mean, and now seeing how he's contributed to the team is is just something that that I mean. Obviously, you know, people are going to say Jason Tatum. Some people are even going to say Brandon Ingram. <clears throat> but, I mean, um, you do that redraft, I'm taking Ben Simmons every, I'm taking ben Simmons every single time without question. Or not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Oh, yeah, it's, it's Jalen Brown in that one. We have Markel Fultz and, and Ben Simmons switched up. But the last one, another iconic Allen Iverson moment, the crossover on who I will argue to my grave is the GOAT, Michael Jordan at the foul line, shoots over him, hits the hits the mid-range jumper. I mean, he crossed over the GOAT. It's iconic. It's something you see all the time. Again, one I never got to see live. I wish I could have. Maybe then I would have said LeBron's a GOAT, but no, not after not after the free the free title he got in. In, in the good old bubble down there in Orlando. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you talk about iconic moments from, from Philadelphia. Allen Iverson's probably got to be the first person you think of. Uh, definitely not in our time. We, we saw him for a little bit there, and it was, it was, not, it was not prime Allen Iverson for sure. But, no. I mean, he did what he did while we were, while we were young, but – that is going to wrap up the six or six. If you got any ideas for the six or six or any, anything you want to hear us talk about for the six or six, uh, let us know on Twitter uh, at CB underscore pod. And we will take suggestions on there for that. If, if your idea is absolutely amazing, we will, we will definitely talk about it on the show and give you credit as well. And the podcast will be posted on there as well, as well as Spotify, CMB Sixers podcast. So please check that out. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. And that is going to do it for episode five. We hope to see you or hear. We hope that you hear us back next week for episode six. We're talking about the West Coast road trip. Maybe Oladipo will be traded. The Knicks will still suck. It's all going to be good. You got to tune in to hear it, though. We can't wait. We will be back next week. And everybody have a great night.